Charles Spurgeon was a man that God used, and millions are still being impacted by his kingdom work. As we examine his life and ministry, we hope to strengthen today's church and bring glory to Christ. My name is Joel Littlefield, lead pastor of New City Church in Bath, Maine, and I'm joined by my brother in Christ, Josh Whitney. Welcome to the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. soon and you're going to get to meet uh, hopefully a whole bunch of pastors and our church family and several other folks so that's going to man that's going to be a huge blessing we can't I'm, wait i'm looking forward to it i i did realize the photo i gave to you i have a very fat face i lost <laughs> more weight since that photo so you want to up you want to update the photo feel free no <laughs> I, I i don't care that much you know i don't i don't think about my image too much like joe does so that's good <laughs> joe joe is getting a lot of name drops on this episode we're gonna have to we're gonna have to tell him uh, i think hey this I, is uh we're advertising for doc and devo right now yeah for free we we, we demand oh we started already wow okay oh yeah, yeah. we just we just roll right into it man that's how nothing doing. you say is safe. Nothing right. is safe here. Yes, sir. Man, Ed, we're just glad to have you on. Let me just, uh, yeah. people are hearing your voice, but they don't really know who you are. So let me just yep. give a quick introduction. We are on the line with Ed Romine. Uh, he is a Spurgeon scholar. He has a doctorate in Spurgeon studies, Spurgeon scholarship. Um, and he is now a pastor. I, is it now pastor of discipleship, brother? Uh, pastor of education and evangelism. Education and evangelism at, yeah, that's right. at uh, is it First Baptist Provo? Yep, First Baptist Provo, Utah. So. Provo, Utah. So you're out there in the land of Utah, and I know that you're, you might share a little bit of this, but you're, the Lord brought you out there providentially, and you have a huge heart for the uh, evangelizing the Mormon uh, population mm-hmm. that's there, that everybody knows is there. And so um, really just, just excited to talk with you today about yeah. a, a very important issue and are excited that you get to be a part of that. Mm. Um, and so Josh and I, we've been, uh, yeah, just blessed to know that you're on or you're going to be coming to this conference, but now we get to have you on the podcast. So thanks for joining us, Ed. Thank you, brother. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. It's always a joy to meet new brothers and and, uh, you know, I don't mind telling you, if the Lord were to sovereignly and providentially move me from Utah, the only other area that I would be interested in state-wise is probably New England, just because yeah. y'all <laughs> uh, rival the lostness yeah. of Utah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, j- just to uh, be able to... Uh, come out and bless and encourage New England preachers and pastors and and Christians. I mean, mm. it's it's a joy that I don't deserve. So, mm. yeah, I think I believe besides Vermont, Maine is the least churched nation. Uh, yeah, Maine is the <laughs> least churched nation in the entire state. Right? That's right, Josh. Yeah, yeah, you've got that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Now we. When when they say least churched in those statistics, would those statistics consider uh, Mormon Utah very churched? Yeah, I so I I think that's just a spirituality type okay. um, survey. I I think it's um, uh, oh actually, I can't remember the last place I heard that. I thought I've heard that through some like send networks or some like uh, uh, trainings before. Yeah, but sure. I, I believe it's more of like a, a a spiritual survey as opposed to like a dogmatic Orthodox Christian survey. Yeah, yeah. Right, because the actual numbers of people that we would consider born again, it's like sure. 0.49%. Yeah, um, in Utah. I, I used to, I, yes, in Utah. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> that that's evangelical Christian, uh, this 
The second biggest religion is Roman Catholicism. Wow. Mm. Yep. So. Well, that's so, yeah, amazing, man. Yeah, I just got so many questions. Sure. <laughs> yeah, brother. Well, I'm glad the Lord's got you there, and I know you're, I know you're there on a mission, and God's using you there at Provo. Um, mm. Would you just uh, maybe just give a brief um, description of what you're doing, um, how you got introduced to Charles Spurgeon in your life, this being a Spurgeon podcast? We definitely want to tell our listeners what your involvement there is. And, that, yeah, just give us a little background of how you got introduced to Spurgeon and then what you're doing now in terms of ministry. Yeah, so so if I could just back up a little bit, just a very cliff note version. Uh, your listeners can't see me, but I'm in a wheelchair. I have several palsy. Uh, if any of your listeners know who Justin Peters is, um, a great brother that does mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, um, yeah. counteracting the word of faith, prosperity gospel, uh, he and I have the same disability. And it because I was born with several palsy, I grew up absolutely hating God. I never struggled with atheism. That was never one of my struggles. And God, in his providence, allowed me to get involved in uh, dark, demonic things. And mm. he saved me out of that at the age of 16. And uh, wow. And I... As far back as I can remember, I always had a fascination with like the dark, demonic, and the occult. And mm-hmm. he never allowed me to get into it as an adult, which I'm thankful for. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I did get I did get enough into it where I had very strange things happen to me, and uh, the the Lord saved me at the age of sixteen, and. Uh, I wish I could say it was smooth sailing ever since then, but since I'm a sinner that lives in a fallen world, I've had ups and downs since then. Mm. But uh, God allowed me to get a uh, bachelor's in music degree, and I thought I was going to get a master's degree in that uh, music and mm-hmm. play in an orchestra. I'm a, I'm a trombonist. Uh, that's the instrument with the slide. If yeah, I've never oh, seen yeah. that before. And then I also played the euphonium, which is a small tuba. And so I thought that I was going to uh, <clears throat> go and get more music degrees. And God shut the door on that and uh, opened up the door really, really widely in the <laughs> ministry. So I ended up getting a Master of Divinity in Biblical Languages and a uh, and a THM, a Master of Theology in Preaching. And then after that, I ended up going to Midwestern after my time at Southwestern. I ended up going to Midwestern and getting a second THM in Pedagogy, which is the art of how to teach. And I ended up doing the PhD uh, in Church History where my writing focused on Spurgeon. And my my thesis had to deal with Spurgeon's pedagogy and practice of open-air preaching. Again, mm, awesome, pedag- awesome. pedagogy, the art of how to teach. And then uh, practice, of course, is his actual doing of it. So my dissertation focuses on primarily in the meat of it his lectures on open-air preaching that you can find in volume two of his lectures to my students. There's two lectures there, uh, Mm -hmm. one on the history of open-air preaching uh, up until the 19th century, which was his present day, and then the practice of it, his own personal practice. And my driving thesis was that Spurgeon's practice and pedagogy of open-air preaching made him the great preacher of the cross that he was mm, in the awesome. pulpit. So so I'll be lecturing way more thoroughly on that at the conference. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, awesome. I um, got to my interest in Spurgeon through uh, Steve Lawson's little book in the Long Line of Godly Men series, uh, shortly right over there. after, yes. 
Say that again. I said I've got it right on my bookshelf. It's either there or over at home. But yeah, I, it's a great, great book. Yeah, I read that book in one sitting. Um, which, if yeah. you've seen that book, it's not like that's a big accomplishment. Uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's a. It's well, a you good... don't say that out loud. Yeah. You just let people think. You just let people think at how well read you are. Oh yeah. Well, people automatically <laughs> assume that if you have a PhD. So. Yeah, that's true. That. You mostly read comics, don't you? No. Yeah, that's that's right. Green eggs and ham. Yeah. So, so, uh, cat, cat in the hat. Uh, I've got a footnote in my dissertation for both of those. Uh, Do you really? Yeah. Oh my What's word. That? Do you really have a footnote in your? No. Uh, oh just... man, I was like, oh, that, that's yeah. a whole level of. Oh, okay. That's yeah. I'm just being a sarcastic old troll right now. <laughs> Love it. Love it, man. That's but, awesome. Uh, so yeah. Steve Lawson introduced you to Spurgeon, really. The, your love for Spurgeon, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I threw his book, and I got to, te- <coughs> I got to tell him that a few years ago. He came cool. to Midwestern while I was on campus doing coursework, and, and I, got, I got to go up to him and tell him, hey, thank you for writing that book. Uh, your book has caused me to to ride on Spurgeon, and, you know, he seemed to be thankful for that. Uh, I never told him I actually finished, so maybe he'll listen to this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's been a journey. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I really, really love getting to do what I do. <clears throat> um, my dissertation is actually uh, coming out in book form this fall through Pickwick. Oh, uh, nice. So awesome. uh, I know two guys up in Maine that might get a free copy if they're kind. Oh, oh. So, did you hear that? Right. Oh, man. So now i got to be kind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stop Deal. Being, stop being mean. Deal. Yeah. That's good, well, man. Well, uh, you, you, you guys are, are pretty kind, and, and I, I love <laughs> what you're doing with with this little organization and i think it's very unique I, I don't know of a podcast solely dedicated to just one man in in all of church history but i mm. haven't looked that hard into it either i wouldn't be surprised if somebody like john calvin or augustine or even like a thomas aquinas had their own podcast out in the hall halls of catholicism somewhere but sure sure but, yeah uh, yeah it's definitely the only baptist i know that has his own podcast we got a dedicated to yeah. him so we're breaking new grounds man <laughs> yep that's, that's right. right that's pioneer that, i think that's us. right you're breaking your podcast by having me on it but you know. <laughs> no quite the opposite brother man this is this is good now we could just uh, geek out on spurge and stuff and probably just talk for hours on all sorts of things we're definitely going to narrow in on one particular subject but thanks for the awesome introduction mm, and uh yeah. praise god for how the lord has just crossed your paths your path yeah. with ours so yeah and i'm just thankful to god's providence in that like who knew that that uh, i give him a lot of grief but joe was so kind to invite me on his podcast a couple t- <coughs> times and i think me being on doc and devo is how you actually find found out that i was breathing god's air so i think so <laughs> it, it might have been you know you also i don't know if you remember this but you you had sent me i don't know where you were living before utah i can't remember was it texas Can, nope kansas city i was doing doctoral work Okay, so that's right. But you had sent me a couple private messages over the... And this one might have been even more like four or five years ago. And you had just said, hey, I, I know you're in Maine. And I just wanted you to know that I wanted that I want to encourage you because you're in New England. And you had mentioned just your heart for New England ministry. And you had mm-hmm. just sent a couple encouraging messages. Um, but I'm not... And I, but I feel like our, cross, our paths actually crossed because of... Maybe it was through Christian George when he was the curator at Midwestern, um, because I was doing some blogging for Spurgeon Library, and then I just found your name, and we became friends on Facebook, and then somehow we just started seeing each other's posts. But either way, right. you're right, man. God's providence. Um, right. Very, very grateful for. And then I, 
I found your little book, Beeline to the Cross, that little Woo-hoo. devotional. The thing that <laughs> Charles Spurgeon never said? That's right. Yeah, and you do know he never said that, right? We've talked Correct. about that? Yeah. Correct. That's so- yeah. Uh, was I the one that told you that? No, it was actually Christian George, and he actually dedicated an, ent- an entire blog to five things Spurgeon did not say, and uh, mine was one of them, but he gave me a little bit of a plug in the blog by basically telling his students... Uh, you know, there's a reward if you can find the place where Spurgeon ever said this. And then he put a little link to my book in there. Um, yeah, it was pretty humiliating. But I don't know if you saw the post that I made a couple of months ago. But John Piper yeah. um, actually has a, a footnote from, from Beeline to the Cross uh, in, what is it, Expository Exaltation, the book that he wrote on the Word of God. And, nice. um, and yeah. uh, he... He referenced it, uh, so I don't know if he knew what he was doing or if he had staff that did that for him. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> so but we, it was pretty cool. We instantly know, updated Joel's misconception that that I've talked with uh, Phil Johnson about that uh, that people just assume, but nobody knows. Have you heard of the boiler room story? No, no. Yeah, so it's a story like. Uh, uh, Spurgeon took took some men down to the boiler room of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and there were supposedly um, uh, church members down there praying during the service. Oh, I, I uh, have heard like, that. This this is the secret. My people pray for me. Oh, what a beautiful and, thing! Wow. And uh, you know that that gets told told all the time, but. As far as we know, um, there's no documentation uh, of that ever being written down. It doesn't mean it's not a reality. We just can't. We just can't prove it. <laughs> That's right. I I have said several times that just because there's no record of him actually saying it, it's totally something that he would say. He would say, "I take my text and I make a beeline to the cross." He there was some, it's very Spurgeon-esque, right. wouldn't you say? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now, now that idea can be found because he said, "I'll go over highway and hedge to get to right. the cross." Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if your church, if your sermon doesn't include Christ, then then go back and yeah, uh, right until it does. Make a road. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he he's actually much stronger in his language. It's recorded in the <laughs> treasury of David. It's recorded in a, in a sermon. He says, no Christ in your sermon, sir. Then go home and never preach again until you have something worth preaching. Oh. <laughs> Amen. That's, that sounds more like it. Oh, now, that's good, man. Th- that's the original go home quote before uh, <laughs> Johnny Mac decided to do his thing. So <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Hey, everyone. This will only take a second of your time to tell you about our conference and a special deal. Our conference is officially official. That means our first annual Spurgeon Conference will be held at New City Church, 150 Congress Ave, Bath, Maine on May 26th and 27th. The first night's going to include an opening to the conference, dinner, and a live recording of Spurgeon Maniacs. The next day will be packed with sessions from James Renahan, Jeff Chang, Ed Romine, and our very own Joel Littlefield. We're going to have giveaways, we're going to have lunch, coffee, and wonderful fellowship with the Saints. Those of you listening to this podcast get a special promo code. Go to our link in the show notes to our Eventbrite page and type in the promo code SPURGEPOD. That's S-P-U-R-G-E-P-O-D, and you'll get $20 off that ticket price. We hope to see you all there. Now back to the podcast. What's coming up next? One of the things that I love about Spurgeon is his uh, just wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> um, and, and everybody knows about his sense of humor that he uh, had just in general like his remark to his mother 
after he became a Baptist. She said, yeah. you know, um, <clears throat> Charles, I never thought you would become a Baptist. And he replied to her, well, God has done far more than you could ask or think. Yes. You know. I, uh, love, I love that part. One of, uh, one of my absolute uh, favorite stories comes with a young man that really wanted to uh, be a part of his college. This is found in the Autobiography, Volume 3. Um, <coughs> so this is Spurgeon talking here. Can y'all hear me okay still? Yeah, loud and Perfect. clear. Okay, so... <clears throat> One young gentleman with whose presence I was once honored has left on my mind the photograph of his exquisite self. That face of his looked like the title page to a Who Be volume of Conceit and Deceit. He sent word into my vestry one Sabbath morning that he must see me at once. His audacity admitted him, and when he was before me, he said, Sir, I want to enter your college, and should like to enter it at once. Well, sir, I said, I, I fear we have no room for you at present, but your case shall be considered. And, and the boy replies, But mine is a very remarkable case, sir. You have probably never received such an <laughs> application as mine before. Very good. We'll see about it. The secretary... <laughs> We'll give you one of the application papers, and you can see me on Monday. He came on the Monday, bringing with him the questions, answered in a most extraordinary manner. As the books, he claimed to have read all ancient and modern literature, and after giving an immense list, he added, This is merely a selection. I have read most extensively in all departments. As in his preaching, he could produce the highest testimonials. He hardly thought they would be needed, as a personal interview would convince me of his ability at once. <laughs> his surprise was great when I said, Sir, I am obliged to tell you that I cannot receive you. Why not, sir? I will tell you plainly, you are so dreadfully clever that I could not insult you by receiving you into our college, where we have none but rather ordinary men. The president, tutors, and students are all men of moderate attainments, and you would have to condescend too much in coming among us. Wow. He looked at me very severely and said with dignity, do you mean to say that because I have an unusual genius and have, pro and have produced in myself a gigantic mind such as is rarely seen, I am refused admittance into your college? Yes, I replied as calmly as I could, considering the overpowering awe which his genius inspired for that very reason. Then, wow. sir... You ought to allow me a trial of my preaching abilities. Select me any text you like or suggest any subject you please. And here in this very room, I will speak upon it or preach upon it without deliberation. And you will be surprised. No, thank you. I would <laughs> rather not have the trouble of listening to you. Oh, my word. Tr trouble, sir. I assure you it would be the greatest possible pleasure you could have. I said Gosh. it might be, but I felt myself unworthy of the privilege, and so bade him a long farewell. This gentleman was unknown to me at the time, but he has since figured in the police court as too clever by half. Oh, my word, man. That's incredible, Ed. <laughs> I'm speechless. Yeah. What kind of story is that's in, that's incredible. That is yeah, awesome, that's man. that's just the boy he remembers in his autobiography that 
that uh, wanted to come and be a part of his college, and he's like, "No, you're a dummy head, pretty you're much." Dumb- <laughs> so that is uh, that's great, brother. So what's what's the moral of the story? Uh, don't don't be an arrogant jerk. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, r- really. So for those who don't know, um, the the pastor's college was Spurgeon's first and most beloved uh, ministry that he started up amongst mm-hmm. the sixty-six parachurch ministries. Mm. And he started with one student, T.W. Medhurst, who was actually out open there preaching when Spurgeon met him, by the way. Mm. And T.W. Medhurst wanted uh, somebody to take him under his wing so that Medhurst could learn theology and be a better preacher. So Mm. Medhurst (laughs) was the one that kind of kicked it all off in the Pastors College evolved into training rough and ready ministers. So, yeah. uh, people in England who were already doing the work of the pastorate, but mm-hmm. they just needed help and they couldn't afford like the the actual degrees that the established church, the Church of England, would have afforded them. Right. So Spurgeon really wanted to bless men who uh, were already uh, in the ministry doing the Lord's work that just needed more education but couldn't get it through the normal routes. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and I would say even a story like this points to how Spurgeon really cared about people and an argument mm. can be made that yeah. he was really pro-life. For sure, for because sure. Because he, he didn't want to, you know, for lack of a better word, a ding-dong like this in his college. Right. Uh, mm. to, yeah. to mess up the good work that that, that he wanted to do. Because um, Alex De Prima has just written a book that is excellent. Um, I, I was uh, blessed to be able to write a book review for it for the Gospel Coalition Journal. Mm-hmm. The oh, that's awesome. And... Um, that book essentially uh, talks about how Spurgeon merged gospel ministry with mercy ministry. And, and it really shows how uh, one can truly do mercy ministry and, and one can couple that with gospel preaching, gospel intentionality, and really truly uh, seek for justice without all the woke social Marxist uh, garbage yeah. attached yeah. to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so I mean, it's it's a fascinating book, and and even this, as I said, shows how Spurgeon really cared. In, in this hilarious account, he was really protecting the the ministries of his other students. Because the leather ding dong like this in uh, uh, w- would have been detrimental to the mission of his most beloved parachurch ministry, for sure, yeah. which was training up rough and ready ministers. Mm, yeah, uh, does that make sense? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, th- th- this guy was as about as ready as a diuretic demon. You know, <laughs> he, he didn't know the first first thing about the ministry. You know. Uh, he see, thought it was all about himself. Your metaphors yeah. are great, brother. Love it. Gold. Say, say again? Your metaphors are great. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really put too much thought in them. They don't get me <laughs> in probably why. Them, but, you know. Awesome, brother. Cool. Well, I've yeah. got a, our first question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. We got, uh, so thinking, of, thinking about Spurgeon and, and, and his his uh passion and his admiration for for life do we ever see any mentioning of abortion during his his ministry yeah but but if you go on like logos where you can look up all the sermons and Mm -hmm. you type in abortion that word comes up but he never uses the word abortion 
in relation to baby murder. Um, Abortion just wasn't used in that sense uh, back then, but he did talk about it the old 19th century way of talking about what we know as abortion, unfortunately, is infanticide. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really think we ought to get to that because that that just sounds a lot more uh, nasty and grueling and really gets to the heart of what we're doing, killing little babies. That's right. That's that's the tactic. I think the tactic of the other side is to minimize it with... uh, just kind of shrouding the reality of it Fetus, with, with words. abortion, health care. Right. probably the worst yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and, and he even talks about um, other cultures that make a regular practice of <clears throat> infanticide. Mm-hmm. And, and he does so uh, very much with with uh, very very dark language uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll put it that way i'll i'll read to you a quote here yeah uh, this is long but it's good mm-hmm. my brethren i say it would have been as well if the rod had been heard before it fell if in the midst of sin the indian government and he's talking about the indian mutiny that happened um the, if the indian government had paused and endeavored to undo the evil, it would have been well for them. Hmm. If instead of following the policy of creed, they had followed the policy of right, they may have looked for divine support. They never ought to have tolerated the religion of the Hindus at all. I, I believe myself, for in no way infringes the law of right, entitled to my religion, but if my religion consisted in bestiality, infanticide, and murder, I should have no right in my religion unless I were prepared to be hanged for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if the religion of the Hindus is neither more nor less than a mass of the rankest filth that ever imagined could have conceived, uh, uh, the gods they worship are not entitled to the least atom of respect. Hmm. Had they given a decent character to their demons, we might have tolerated their idolatry. But when hmm. they worship, but when their worship necessitates everything that is evil, not religion, but morality must put it down. <laughs> I do not believe that in this land there ever ought to have been any toleration of that agape mani, a place of lust and abomination hmm. where sin is committed before which God's son might blush, never ought to be tolerated. Any religion that does not infringe upon morality is beyond the force of legislation. But when once religious teachers teach immorality and what once a religion compels men to sin, down with it, no toleration to it. Mm. So, so you can see uh, in his speaking about India, there he he is going after their their immorality inherent w- within the Hindu religion in the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, one of the things that he mentions is murder of infants and murder in general. Mm. Yeah, and the. Uh, the not so commonly accepted sexual sin of bestiality, and right. and he says that their their demon gods are what is causing them to to go after such evils, and, mm, and yeah. I would say Spurgeon has a lot of wisdom for us today in that um, it's the spirit of the age; it's a demonic spirit that makes us think it's okay as a society and as a culture to, to kill our little ones mm, uh, yeah. in the womb. <clears throat> and I, I think it's fair to say here, I don't necessarily think he was talking about in the womb infanticide in this quote, 
but uh, he he would have definitely been against what we are doing today as a society and as a culture. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of culture, there is a, a bill act that I looked up uh, from the 19th century. <laughs> and this is called the Offenses Against the Person Act. Mm-hmm. And it's dated the year 1861. So, so... <clears throat> This would be about the middle of Spurgeon's ministry when this was passed, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting closer to the end of his ministry. <clears throat> and um, there's a section titled Attempts to Procure Abortion. Uh, and, and there's two paragraphs to this act. And in this sense, abortion is referring to the murder of a baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Look, look, look at what what he says here, or what the act says rather. Um, this is on administering drugs or using instruments to procure abortion. Every woman being with child, who with intent to procure her own miscarriage, shall uh, shall unlawfully administer to herself any poison or other noxious thing or shall unlawfully use any instrument or other means whatsoever with the like intent and whosoever with intent to procure the miscarriage of any woman whether she be or be not with child shall unlawfully administer to her or cause to be taken by her any poison or noxious thing or shall unlawfully use any instrument or other means whatsoever with the like intent shall be guilty of felony and being convicted thereof shall be liable at the discretion of the court to be kept in penal servitude for life or any term not less than three years, or to be imprisoned for any term, not exceeding two years, hmm. whether without hard labor, hmm. and whether hmm. without yeah. solitary confinement. And then wow. Th- there, there's a, another shorter paragraph on procuring drugs, etc., to cause abortion. Let me read this one. This one's a little shorter. Whoever shall unlawfully supply or procure any poison or other noxious thing or any instrument or thing whatsoever, knowing that the same is intended to be unlawfully used or employed with intent to procure the miscarriage of any woman, whether she be or be not with child, shall be guilty of a misdemeanor, and being convicted thereof shall be liable at the discretion of the court to be kept in penal servitude for Mm -hmm. the term of three years or to be imprisoned for any term not exceeding two years with or without hard labor. Hmm. Wow. I agree with that, brother. I agree. I think that's, uh, I mean, obviously that's not what we do today. We've come very far. And so has England, wouldn't you say? I mean, I'm not very up to date on, uh, laws in the UK, but, um, we've, we've fallen from that, taking it that seriously where we would, uh, penalize women. And now we're actually trying to find ways to legalize it completely. Um, right. Yeah. The, the modern UK is a far cry from, from, from the 19th century. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll just put it that way. Yeah. But, but Spurgeon, would have definitely been in agreement uh, with this act. He he did not like infanticide. He mm. did not like religions that devalued uh, the womb. And, and you had asked me uh, to talk a little bit about the Imago Day. Absolutely, Spurgeon. yeah. And I got a couple quotes that that'll be helpful here, and just thinking about uh, the image of God and Spurgeon. <laughs> and <clears throat> these are shorter. 
than what I've read before. Okay, so this is the first one. Sin made man a fool. He was once in God's image, wise. Now, since the trail of the serpent has passed over his nature, he has become an errant fool. Mm. Notice the language, he was once in God's image. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me give you another one. <coughs> Man was so surely to be made in the imago of God that he should never again lose that image. And that's in the context of once he's believed in the God-man who Spurgeon says is the, is the perfect imprint of the image of God. Right. Once we've believed in him and, and our union is in the God-man Christ Jesus, uh, the image of God is, is restored and he says we never again lose that image so mm. so Spurgeon would actually say that the image of God is, is lost in, within us in our fallen state uh, I, I think I would disagree with my brother there right. yep. uh, yeah. that, that's a debate within Calvinism and, for sure and reformed theology and there's godly men that uh, take one side or the other but that seemed to be uh, his position all throughout his written ministry um i don't know if if he ever changed <coughs> changed his mind on that so, okay uh, that that could be for further research done maybe may, maybe a future dr littlefield could write, yeah. write on uh, spurgeon and the imago day good idea i'll do that on my spare time yeah what's that i'll do that on my spare time yeah, what spare time, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, why don't you just uh, speak a little bit about that? Why? Why would we say? And we're, you know, you can speak from a pastor's perspective as a shepherd. Even maybe if you want to use some of the knowledge of uh, Spurgeon's ministry, that's fine. But how does the Imago Day really help us to speak today about the issue of abortion? This is yeah. huge right now, right? Yeah. So we just—I right. told you—I told you a few hours ago that we just had a. Uh, public hearing in the state of Maine, and we know these things are happening all over the country, but laws are are trying to be passed uh, to legalize this. Um, and so we had a couple thousand people in our state house uh, a couple days ago, just basically coming together to say life is valuable because mm -hmm. of the image of God. Yeah. So what do you, what do you say? How do you speak to people uh, as a as a pastor about why? Um, why is abortion wrong? Why is the why is it wrong? Um, and what do you how do you speak into that? Yeah, well, well first off, um, murder is wrong because uh, it, it's a breaking of God's commandment where He says uh, in Exodus and Deuteronomy uh, that thou shall not murder. Mm. Um, so, so that is the <coughs> is the first uh, thing that I would say is simply because uh, God has decreed it in His holy word, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. has said uh, that we are not to murder. Yeah, and, and uh, when in Genesis when when Cain slew Abel, the, the punishment was very, very great. And, and we, we've been killing each other in, in wars and ever since. And this is nothing more than a battle of darkness. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, what I would say is, is, is God's people have a right to stand up for those who cannot defend themselves. Mm, yeah. Uh, God's people, even more than a right, have a duty and a responsibility to stand up for the defenseless. Amen. <laughs> mm -hmm. <coughs> if, if I could read another Spurgeon quote here, I think he gets to the heart of the matter here. Yeah. He says, If a man must be profane, 
and let him have too much reverence for a child to pollute its little ear with blasphemy. Mm. If a man must drink, let him have too much respect for childhood to entice this boy to sip at the intoxicating cup. Mm-hmm. If there be mm-hmm. aught of lewdness or coarseness on foot, screen the young child from the sight and the hearing of it. O oh, ye parents, do not follow trades which will ruin your children. Do not select houses where they will be cast in evil society. Do not bring depraved persons within your doors to defile them. For a man to lead others like himself into temptation is bad enough, but to sow the vile seed of vice and hearts that are as yet untamed by any gross actual sin is a hideous piece of wickedness. Mm. Do not commit spiritual infanticide. For God's sake, in the name of common humanity, I pray you, if you have any sort of feeling left, do not play the Herod by morally murdering the innocents. Mm. I have heard that when in the cruel sack of a city a soldier was about to kill a child, his hand was stayed by the little ones crying out, Oh, sir, please don't kill me. I am so little. Mm. The feebleness and littleness of childhood should appeal. Listen to this, guys. This might be the most important Spurgeon sentence in this podcast. The feebleness and littleness of childhood should appeal to the worst of men Mm. and restrain them from sinning against the child. Mm. And that's exactly what we're not doing in our country. Right. Yeah. That's right, brother. And we need to do more. How can the how can the how can the church be uh, stepping into this more, brother? Yes, very practically do, doing doing things on the on the political level to get uh, good bills passed that that ban abortions that actually ban abortions. Yeah. Yep. Um, one one of the things that I have done uh, personally, and I know everybody doesn't have the time or bandwidth for this, uh, go out to a local Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. and and peacefully protest. Uh, bring the women uh, of your church who have strong theological foundations that, that are girded yeah. with the gospel to sweetly talk to women saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we, we, we want to help you in any way possible. Um, to to be able to give your child a life of, of yeah. some sort. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it all comes down to to this for me. Um, the the baby does not deserve to be murdered because because of the sin of the mommy and and the daddy. Yeah, or, or the or, or the two parents. Yep. And for a whole country to say, oh, th- this is okay, this is right, and this is good. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let yeah. me read that sentence again. The feebleness and littleness of childhood should appeal to the worst of men and mm-hmm. restrain them from sinning against the child. Mm hmm. Amen, man. It should, it should, should appeal. Should exactly. Yeah. But for the depravity, the depravity of man. Mm. Right. I actually in in these hearings, um, there was an uh, Episcopalian woman who called herself a pastor. That she she actually used Jesus saying that he came, or the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but. Jesus, I came to give you life and have it abundantly. And she only focused on the abundantly and started talking about how women need to have this abundant life. And then even quoted Micah Mm -hmm. of um, to seek justice. She said this uh, Mm -hmm. to make a defense to kill children at any point in the womb. It was gross. She said to Mm. seek justice, love mercy, 
and walk humbly with your God. This is that abundant life Jesus was talking about. Mm, and I was floored. Yeah. I'm, I yeah. could not believe what I had just heard mm-hmm. from a woman who claimed to be standing in the pastoral role over people, mm-hmm. over children. And that quote, as you're reading it, I just thought I'm like, she yeah. she had shown the complete opposite yeah. of what you had just read from Spurgeon. That's right. And I, I, right. yeah, I was just I was just dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. I could not believe I heard those two scriptures together back to back to make one point to kill kids. Yeah. Could not believe it. Yeah. That that is a good master class in Asha Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um could, <laughs> Could I read you guys an, another quote that I think would be appropriate on the back of that? And That's why we've got you on here, brother. <laughs> yeah, Joel, uh, if you want this quote too, I can I can send it to you. I, th- I think it's a good encouragement for Mother's Day as well. Okay. Uh, Spurgeon, in his preaching, he liked to speak to different uh, classes of people. So he would speak to fathers, he would speak to grandparents, he would speak to children, he would speak to the Christians, he would speak to the lost. Here's an instance in classic Spurgeonic style where he singled out mothers. Okay. <laughs> Listen to what he says. And, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that uh, lady that you were talking about uh, really needs to hear this from Spurgeon. Um, oh, dear mothers, you have a very sacred trust reposed to you by God. He hath, in effect, said to you, Take this child, nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. You are called to equip the future man of God, that he may be thoroughly furnished with every good work. Mm-hmm. If God spares you, you may live to hear that pretty boy speak to thousands <laughs> and you will have the sweet reflection in your heart that the quiet teachings of the nursery led the man to love his God and serve him. Wow. Those beautiful. who think that a woman detained at home by her little family is doing nothing. Think the reverse of what is true. <laughs> Scarcely can the godly mother quit her home for a place of worship but dream not that she is lost to the work of the church. Far from it. She is doing the best possible service for her Lord. Mothers, the godly training of your offspring is your first and most pressing duty. Mm. Amen. Wow. Beautiful. We need that word I, for I mean, today. That, that's pretty pointed, right? Yeah. Very, and then very the pointed. fact that you have so... Many people that would say, oh, no, 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 no. That's demeaning to women. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you had asked, like, if uh, the, the church did things as far as uh, mercy ministry and true justice issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alex DePrima's book, which is excellent, <laughs> he actually lists all the ministries that Spurgeon started, most of which were connected to, were connected to the church. Um, and, and it included uh, shelters, uh, and it included orphanages for boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It included, um, you know, kitchen, like soup kitchens for the poor and various things. Just uh, When you get the book, look at the long list it's fascinating definitely will so, and, and yeah. uh, Alex writes this uh, in his book I, I just want to read it I think it'd be helpful okay um, these ministries of the tabernacle not only provided genuine aid and relief for needy people but they also adorned the church's witness in the community Spurgeon early eager bleh, Spurgeon eagerly studied the peculiar needs of his community and sought to lead his church in addressing them. 
the Metropolitan Tabernacle, under Spurgeon's leadership, fed London's hungry, adopted her orphans, cared for her widows, ministered to her fallen women, comforted her sick and bereaved, and housed her poor. Mm. Uh, through these efforts, the church embraced the city of London and sought to address her many and diverse needs, both spiritual and physical. The Metropolitan Tabernacle was truly a church for the city. Mm -hmm. That's That's awesome. Yeah. And if you don't have Alex's book, go get Alex's book. I'm going to get it, man. We're going to get it. It's worth it. Say again? I said we're going to get it, brother. Wonderful, wonderful. So, so yeah. And Alex is a gem of a guy, too. So. He, he is. And yeah. He, I think, I can't remember. I might have even played basketball with him, and I think he's pretty good at basketball, too. Well, was, he, was he there? Was he there? I can't remember if he was one of them. Oh, wait. No, I think he was. I think he was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. So I guess Both we got... of you guys are better than me at basketball. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's actually, that's debatable. You're truly. being hard on yourself. <laughs> Oh, Emma, if you say so, all right. Um, I got one last question for you, if that's all right. Okay. Um, just as we as we wrap up our time here, would you be willing to share any personal testimony um, regarding this topic of uh, infanticide and um, where we are today in this country? A- absolutely. Um, um, two days before. I- was born a a blood vessel busted in my head which caused the lack of oxygen uh, to flow uh, to my brain which is essentially what causes cerebral palsy Hmm. and and my mother who uh, recently uh, passed away she was not a Christian Hmm. um, Hmm. she wanted to have me uh, even even though uh, she she was not fit to have me because she she was on drugs, uh, marijuana and possibly other things as well, mm-hmm. and I'm fairly certain she was actually told by people that she needed to get an abortion, mm-hmm. and uh, she said no, I want to have my first child, and well CPS ended up giving me to my to my uh, grandmother and step-grandfather, and they actually raised me for the f- mm. first 14 years of my life. <laughs> they died yeah. when I was 14. Then my mother finished taking care of me through high school years. Yeah. But, you know, my mother could have said yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, to to uh, getting me aborted. And, uh, I mean, I, I'll be very blunt. I, I think existing is pretty cool. So. Yes, yeah, brother. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. I know. So, we're, yeah. I know. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> Say that again. I know. We in thoroughly enjoy you existing. Oh uh, well. Uh, <laughs> wait till you spend like half a week with me, and then we'll see what you think. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to you on that one, brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I rescind <laughs> my comment That's until gross. we meet in person. <laughs> well, I I think that. Um, you know, in, in, in light of the intensity of the subject and because my wife is actually extremely wise, knowing we were going to be talking about this, she, she also reminded me that we should probably be very aware that one in four women do get an abortion. That's the mm. statistic. A lot of Many people. of them are repentant Christians yeah. who mm. have turned to Christ. Yeah. And I think that in case there's... Well, it, well, the the chances that somebody will listen to this episode that has dealt with the grief of it and are repentant. So would you be willing to just share briefly as kind of a closing word, what would you say to the the parent, the mother, or the parents that have 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 committed this sin? Because uh, we've said how clearly we need to be we need to be right and accurate about what it is. But then, what would you say to the one who has repented and and has turned to Christ? Um, how can you bring some comfort and some truth to that situation? Yes. Um, first off, um, as long as one has good and godly grief over their sin, mm. uh, 
that that's always a blessing. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't stay in that mode. Mm-hmm. Um, one ought to be able to say through the blood of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. I have been cleansed. Amen. And if you are a mother uh, or a father who is who has permitted your child to be aborted. Um, there, there's a lot of truth in that what you did is is wrong. It's against God's commandments. It's shameful, but you shouldn't stay there. Mm. And and there there's a lot of different reasons for why people uh, got an abortion. Maybe it was out of ignorance. Uh, very, very few people actually uh, know what they're doing and enjoy murdering babies. Right. I, I would say the vast majority of people thought that that was their only option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe they had a horrific yeah. thing happen to them. And, and we all live with the scars of sin. Sometimes those scars are very deep, and and abortion is one of those scars that runs very deep. Mm-hmm. But the beauty is that it can be a scar and not an open wound. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, Amen, brother. And ju- just like uh, we can rejoice in Jesus' scars uh, that were there uh, in order to forgive sin, uh, your spiritual scars are there as a testimony that 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 your sin has been atoned for. Mm. Yeah, and one day we're we're gonna get glorified bodies where we'll have no more scars, uh, either physical or spiritual. Uh, yeah. Jesus' scars will always be with him as a reminder to us the price that was paid. Amen. Mm. Praise the Lord. But but Amen. one day, dear saint, you're not going to have any more iniquity over this sin. Because mm. I, I know um, if you're like me at all, sometimes your old sin still haunts you, even though you're forgiven. Right. Yeah. But one day there's going to come a point where the haunting has ended. Mm. And, and you'll not only be able to uh, view your Savior face to face. But your aborted child, I believe, mm-hmm. will be waiting for you in heaven Amen. to welcome you with open arms mm. and a big hug. And that aborted child will say to you, Mom, Dad, I'm so glad that you believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and you get to spend the rest of eternity with me. Oh, wow, Amen. brother. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for speaking directly to our listeners and uh, the shepherding pastoral tone, I'm sure, will be a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this episode has had its highs and lows yeah. as far as uh, joy and then the seriousness of it. And I think that's a good testament to what uh, life in Christ can be. We have a lot of high highs, and then we can talk seriously about the serious matters of life, and the gospel is key in all of that, isn't it, brother? Yep, that's right. Amen. Amen. Could, could, I, could I say one more thing? Is that sure. all right? Absolutely, man. Uh, if you're wondering how the uh, funny story with the arrogant young man and the issue of abortion connect. Uh, those who think abortion is okay and celebrate it, uh, they fundamentally have the same problem that that arrogant young man had. Mm. And that is the sin of partiality. Mm-hmm. That, that's the sin of elitism. Yeah. Uh, thinking the the young man thought he was better than all the other students that were at the college. And there's a lot of people out there that think they're fundamentally better than the little babies in the womb. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And God says that that's sin. And regardless of how the sin of partiality manifests itself, we need the church in our lives to kill it. That's right. Mm. Yes, we do. So. Well said, so brother. Th- th- that's what New England needs, and that's mm. what Utah needs, is the, is the killing of sin through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the yeah. biblical gospel of Jesus. Yep. Amen. So, awesome. Yeah, I've always got to clarify that living in Utah. So That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's good. Thank you, brother. Thank really, you. really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we're going to... We're gonna we're gonna wrap things up, man. But thank you so much for being on the show with us, and uh, we can't wait to see you in person. Yeah, again, we're only geez, we're we're less than three weeks away. Less than three weeks away, man. We're gonna see you and a whole bunch of other people. I know. Hopefully. I know. And uh, if I must say, uh, Joel and the other pastors have been kind enough to let me preach, and Lord willing, I'll be preaching on ezekiel 13 all right yeah awesome man. I, I bet you i bet you it's going to be uh josh's favorite passage so oh all right oh, yeah yeah they very well could be <laughs> yep yep all right god awesome bless. brother well we're going to just go ahead and wrap up the show and then we'll say goodbye to you uh before we close um josh how can people get in touch with us so you can do that by going to mainly our facebook page we have that private group. That's where you guys can interact with one another. That's Spurgeon Maniacs. Also, our public group. That's where we're sharing all of our content, our updates, things like this amazing interview we get to do with Ed Romine. Thank you, brother. And um, you can also email us. That's podcast at SpurgeonManiacs.com. Give us some good feedback. Give us some bad feedback because then that's not a review. Um, And then stick those awesome reviews, those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast platform. Um, You guys can register for that conference coming up for the 26th and the 27th. As of right now, we still have a couple of Spurgeon uh, CSB Bibles to give away for the people that sign up. So get those. Shout out to B&H Publishing for hooking us up with those. Yeah, thank you, B&H. Um, and Patreon, Patreon. Almost forgot that. Give us your money. I meant uh, support, <laughs> partner with us. You guys can do that through Patreon, and you guys can be a part of what we're doing. Help increase, help increase where we're going. Um, our projects that we want to get done to best serve you guys. You y'all can do that through Patreon.com and search for Spurgeon Maniacs. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ed. This has been truly a blessing, and I am very much looking forward where we can just sit around and talk Spurgeon in person, too. Thanks, brother. Appreciate your time, man. Ab- absolutely. It's, it's been a joy. Thank, thank you for having me on. And, and y'all, y'all weren't terrified by my corny sense of humor. So. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I love it. We'll love gladly it. have you back on again sometime in the future, brother. Lord willing. All right. All right. See you guys later. Bye.